we're starting this new series called The Kingdom. And the uh, kingdom, the idea of the kingdom, is, some, is a theme that runs throughout the whole of Scripture. Uh, from, from the beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation, the idea of the kingdom is something that comes up over and over and over again. And so as a common theme, you'd think surely we understand it. But I'll, I'll venture to say, if you're like me, it's something that we talk about a lot. We, talk, we know the kingdom of Israel and Judah, maybe, if you know the Old Testament. And then you see the New Testament talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. But do we understand really what it means? I know for myself, I, I, I don't and I haven't. We talk about the kingdom a lot. We talk, to, we talk about it. Um, but do we really understand what's going on? And so, uh, as I said, throughout the Bible, there's this idea of the kingdom. But there's one particular hot spot. When you look through the whole of Scripture, you find one hot spot when it comes to the kingdom. And, man, that is found in the book of Matthew. Uh, really the whole book, but we're going to zoom in on about three chapters over the next several weeks. And uh, it's going to take us a while to get through it, but we're going we're gonna to do our best to, to move through what we call the Sermon on the Mount. But So go on and open up your Bibles if you can, if you have one with you. Open up to Matthew chapter 4 is where we'll be here in a second. However, let me make sure that you understand. Make sure we're all on the same page, all right? Um, if you know these things, then just ignore me for a second, Okay. Let me show you how the Bible's put together. Uh, the first section of the Bible, this big section right here, um, is called the Old Testament. The Old Testament is uh, the stories, the events, the historical facts, um, but also uh, poems and songs and all of this stuff before Jesus was born as a man. That's what the Old Testament is. So this is all that happened before Jesus was born as a man. What picks up in the book of Matthew through the, other, through the end of your Bible is called the New Testament. And the New Testament is the story of Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension. And then it's the story and the letters from his disciples. Okay, And so that's the Old and New Testament. Now when you begin in the New Testament, there's four books that kick it off. And we call those Gospels, the four Gospels. Each one of those books were written by four different men um, who had differing levels of connection to Jesus. Some of them were his close disciples. Others of them did like tons of research in the first century and found out all that they could about Jesus. And then, But each one of them lays out the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But they do it in their own way. If you lay these things on top of each other, what you'll find is that they're not identical. They're not, some of them tell stories in different order. Some of them focus on different details of stories. And so if you're, a, if you're an A, B, C, D type person, you like, you're very linear in your thought, it may drive you crazy, but there's a point behind it all. See, this is something that, that you're going to hear me say a whole lot as your pastor because I think it's helped me understand how, what the Gospels are for. The Gospel writers, the reason they're not identical is they're not trying to regurgitate Jesus' life to you. They're not trying to tell you what Jesus did. The Gospel writers are concerned with showing you who Jesus is. They're trying to convey, they're, they're pulling all the stories of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and all this. They're pulling it together, and they're ordering it in such a way as to make an argument and to make a point. And so each one of the gospel writers, each of those first four books, they have a particular avenue, a particular point that they're trying to make. For Matthew, it's the idea of the kingdom and Jesus as the king. That's what Matthew's trying to get. That's, that's the way he puts his stories together. And we're going to talk about some of it as we go through this study. But um, again, each one of these gospel writers is focusing on a different angle of Jesus. 
But Matthew is focused on Jesus as the king of God's kingdom. And so Matthew chapter 4 um, is where we're kicking off. Um, just to catch you up where we are, because we're not beginning at the beginning of Matthew. Uh, so I want to catch you up. We've seen that Jesus is, Jesus is born. Um, and then uh, he, in chapter 3, he's baptized by John the Baptist, who was his cousin, John the Baptizer. He gets baptized, and then he begins uh, his ministry. Um, after spending some time uh, being tempted by Satan, um, verse 17 is really the beginning of his ministry, and that's where I want to begin today. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to come back and look at this together. Hopefully there was an outline in your seat when you came in. That may help you follow along. All right, let me read this verse, and then I'll pray. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let's pray together. God, we do trust that, um, that, that your word, God, uh, is true, but God, also that you want to use your word to change our lives. And so, Father, I pray that today, God, as we've opened up your word, um, God, already once in the first service and God, now here, um, not just in person, but online, God, I pray that, that you would move among your people and God, move among those who may not yet know you and that they would trust in you. We love you and we thank you. Got our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're a note taker, point number one is this. The kingdom is not just heaven. Guys, that is one of the biggest misconceptions of this whole idea, is that the kingdom of heaven is just some sort of heavenly thing. So when you look at the Old Testament, you see literally a kingdom, a physical kingdom that is set up in Israel and Judah. We can wrap our minds around that. And then we begin to think about the New Testament. We think that, okay, the kingdom of God is now in heaven. It was on earth, now it's in heaven. Wrong. What did Jesus just say? The kingdom of heaven has come near. Right? Or your Bible may say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's this idea of, of coming or, or moving towards something. And so when Jesus makes a statement that the kingdom of heaven is is has drawn near has come near he's saying that the the kingdom of heaven is not some heavenly thing that you and i can't attain here it's not something that we can't taste that's not what jesus is saying you might also think well jesus is talking about himself that he's part of heaven and he's come to earth but that's not true because the rest of the new testament talks about the kingdom of heaven here on earth as well and so there must be some idea that it's a heavenly kingdom but it's also an earthly thing and I'm just going to tell you, as, as, as a logical person, I don't like that. Y'all okay with that? Like, I like things to be in, in boxes. Don't you, don't you like nice, clean boxes when you're thinking about things? Here's, here's uh, an example, all right? If you're going to the store today, and you're going to buy Oreos. You know what I'm talking about? Oreos? Okay. And if you're on a diet, whatever, okay? Stop bragging about it. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, um, if you're on a diet, just what would you like to get if you went? Okay, so how many of you if, you, went to, if you went to Walmart right after this and you wanted Oreos, how many of you would get traditional Oreos, chocolate cookie, wide inside? Show of hands. True chocolate. Okay, hands down. How many of you would go golden Oreos? Golden Oreos? There's a few of us. Okay, now here's the big question. This is what drives the whole point. How many of you would buy that weird 
off-brand duplex thing. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. One. All right, we had one in the first service, we had one in the second. Y'all, we're messing up a good thing, man. It's a good cookie either way. Don't, don't smash those two things together, right? Give me a traditional Oreo. Give me a, uh, give me a golden Oreo, right? But that's the way we think. We think in terms of boxes. We think in terms of like uh, it's, it's either or. That's the way that we live our lives, but that's not the way that we see Jesus and his disciples talking about the kingdom of God. It's not just traditional or <laughs> golden, okay? He's saying that it's both. It's a duplex. So now you're all going to go. I bet they sell those duplex down here to the, gas, at the uh, store on your way out. Go give them some business. Buy duplex cookies on your way home. Um, and so when we think about the kingdom of heaven, and we're going to talk about this as we go through, this is going to be the main point that we're going to drive home. We think of the kingdom of God often as something that we'll experience one day. The kingdom of heaven is something we'll experience one day, when we die or when Christ returns. But that is not the way the Bible speaks of it. Yes, there is a fullness and there is a realness to when I am in heaven and I am standing in front of the throne of God. That will be different. And it will be heavy, and it will be more than what you and I can experience here on earth. But to say that the kingdom of heaven is only a heavenly thing goes against God's word because Jesus is declaring that there is a real way to experience and live in the kingdom while we are breathing air here on earth. Okay, It won't be the perfect experience that we'll have fully in the God's presence, but it is a taste. It's a good thing. And there are many things that the Bible talks about that Jesus and his disciples speak about in the New Testament. There are a lot of things. Even salvation itself is something that we'll experience more fully one day than we do here on earth. Uh, theologians have called this for a long time, and this is back to your notes. We call this the now and the not yet. Right? It's the now and the not yet. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is something that is now. It is something to be experienced here but it's also something that we're going to experience in more fullness one day. All right? So we've got, to, we've got to get out of our minds that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is something that's a heavenly thing that can't be experienced. We're going to talk about that more in the coming weeks. I know you may have more questions, but just don't miss a week and we'll talk about it. All right. Point number two is this. The kingdom is good news. After Jesus begins his ministry, one of the first things that uh, Matthew says about him is in verse 23. He calls some of his closest disciples. And then in verse 23, we see this said about him. And I want you to pay attention to the wording of this. It's going to be important as we go through. Verse 23. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. We're going to talk about a lot of that here in a second, but I want to focus on right now the one word, or the two words, good news. Jesus began to go all, all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the what? The kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. Now, here's a test. What is the Greek word for good news? Anybody know? Okay, it's not gospel. Tricked you, all right? Gospel is the word that we use. Gospel actually comes from the German word, Gudspel. All right, a little tidbit for you. All right, but the Greek word is this word, euangelion. It's a lot more complicated than gospel, isn't it? Euangelion, all right? But that's the word. That's actually the Greek word that's used here. You can just use that to impress your friends. Um, but what word do you see in there? Evangelism, evangelize, right? Right? 
And that's where we get that word, the proclaiming of the good news. So often we think of the gospel or the good news, we think of it only as the story of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. Right? Like, I told you that a few weeks ago. You want to share the gospel with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors. Here's how you do it. You tell them about the story of Jesus and how he died on the cross for your sins and how he can make you new. That's what I told you. But what you got to recognize, too, is that there is a grander narrative that's going on in God's word. Here's what we don't recognize as Americans who have lived here and we've You've probably, if you've grown up in church, you've grown up in a church that did most of the preaching from this part of the Bible, the New Testament, right? Or if they preached from this part, they did it in a weird way. (laughs) And anyway, hang around and you'll see what I mean by that uh, in the years to come. But there's, there's a right way to preach the Old Testament and oftentimes you probably didn't grow up in a church that did that well. And so the New Testament, this is where we've lived and what we don't recognize is that the gospel, the good news isn't didn't start with Jesus. It, how do I know that? How do you know that, Heath? Because Jesus just said it. When Jesus is declaring the good news of the kingdom, is he dead yet? No. Okay, so there's good news before Jesus died. And what we know is that the good news he was sharing was not, hey, I'm going to lay down my life for y'all, and I'm going to be raised again. Because his disciples didn't know he was going to do that until it happened. So we know that Jesus was declaring something to the area of Galilee that was good news. What was that good news? When you study the Bible from beginning to end, what we see is that God chose man to be his partner, to rule the world in love and care, and that the glory of God would be made known among the nations. That's the good news. Of the entire world. That's the good news of the kingdom. That God hasn't just built the earth and then he rules it. He actually wants us to come alongside him and rule it. What happened in Genesis 1 or uh, Genesis 2 and 3? He creates who? Adam and Eve. And what does he ask them to do? Have dominion. Rule. Lead. And they mess it up. And then he comes back to Abraham, a man in Genesis 12. And what does he say to Abraham? Abraham, you're going to be mine, man. You're going to lead, and the world will know through you the good news. And it happens over and over again, and we keep butchering it over and over and over again. But the story continues. God continues to desire man to come alongside him and to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. That's the good news, that God would even give us a thought in this process, that the, that the good news is that God still desires this same thing. The same thing that he wanted from Adam and Eve is what he desires of us, and he's actively working to allow us to continue to do that. And Jesus was the epitome. Jesus was the, the, the peak of the love and the good news of the kingdom that, hey, y'all have been messing it up. You've been messing it up. Guess what? Boom, I'm sending my son Jesus to die on the cross for you, and now you can be made new, and now we can get some stuff done. This is the good news of the kingdom. That may be a new idea to you, and you may think I'm a heretic, but if you'll hang on in the coming days, it'll make sense, and you'll say, oh, that actually is in the Bible, Heath. All right, it's going to be fun. Don't miss a single week of this series. Point number one, the kingdom is not just heaven. Point number two, the kingdom is good news. Number three, this is where it gets fun. If you thought I have, I've been having fun to this point, just wait. Number three, the kingdom is revealed in Jesus' teaching and power. 
The kingdom is revealed in Jesus' teaching and power. I want to read, this verse won't be on the screen, but it's one we've already looked at. I want to read you again, Matthew 4.23. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, that's Genesis, I mean, that's uh, Matthew 4.23. I want to skip ahead to Matthew 9.35. This will be on the screen, and it's also in your Bible. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Or, yeah. Sound familiar? Sort of, a little bit. How about word for word? (laughs) It's nearly identical to Matthew 4.23. We can draw two conclusions from this. Conclusion number one, Matthew had a really small vocabulary and wasn't a good writer. He literally copy and pasted. He's like, I don't know what to say. He was just doing the same thing he did before. Just copy and paste it. That's that's the way I write my seminary papers, but that's not how Matthew constructed his gospel. The only other conclusion to draw is that it was on purpose. Only other conclusion you can draw. So Matthew 4.23, Jesus was teaching and preaching and healing every disease. Matthew 9.35, Jesus is teaching and preaching and healing every disease. What is between Matthew 4.23 and Matthew 9.35? Thank you. Five chapters. I knew, I knew Jeff Herman. The first service didn't take it. I was like, no smart Alex in the room? Nobody's going to say Matthew 5 through 9. You know, that's, but it's true. And that's actually the correct answer. <laughs> Five chapters. Matthews 5 through 7 and 8 through 9. Now, here's what's, here's what's beautiful. Matthew says that Jesus is teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. We'll put teaching and preaching together, and he's healing every disease and sickness. Here's what is between. Here's what happens in Matthew 5 through 9. Matthews 5 through 7 are the largest block of intense teaching that we get from Jesus. Teaching and preaching. Chapters 8 and 9 are the most jam-packed section in the book of Matthew of the healings of Jesus. You with me? Teaching and healing. So Matthew is trying. He's, this isn't happenstance. This isn't, oh, that's cool. Matthew did this on purpose. He's trying to draw our eyes to something. And I believe just from studying, and you can disagree with him and we can talk about it, but I believe that what, what Matthew is trying to convey through the teachings of Jesus is that there are two major important parts of the kingdom of God here on earth, and that's the teaching of Christ and the power of Christ. You see, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is only evident here on earth when the teachings of Christ and the power of Christ come together. That's where we see kingdom break out. That's where we see churches catch fire and take over their community and Satan is run out. That's where we see lives change, not just in miracles and not just in the teaching. It takes both, church. If there's anything I want Lindsay Lane to be known for, it's those two things. I want us to be Bible nerds, but I want us to, at the end of the day, say, God, if you don't show up, if you don't show up, we should have stayed in the bed, right? 
Is it, it's, it, is it about teaching and is it about faith? Is it about knowledge and faith? Yes, that's where we see the kingdom come out. This is the way that the kingdom works. The kingdom is best understood in both light of Jesus' teaching and his power. And here's the and that's why we pray before every service. I prayed it at 830 today. You want to come hear me and test me? Show up at 830 and listen to me pray. As a staff and as a media and, and church team, we pray two things. We ask that God teach us to know him. And we ask him to be with us, his power. Because without those two things, we won't see kingdom impact. But the problem is, is we settle for one or the other. Here's the deal. I was born in a Southern Baptist church. I was actually born in a hospital, but it might as well have been the Southern Baptist Church. Dad led music. Mom was over the children's choir. All right? Um, I do believe that the statement of faith that the Southern Baptists have long believed, I believe, man, I, I can't imagine putting together a better statement of faith than what they cling to and what I cling to. However, uh, we're not perfect. We got, we got issues. And so there's two ways that we can, we can get this out of whack. And the first one, in your notes there, you see it at the bottom, teaching over power. There's teaching over power. And what this creates is a legalistic person. Southern Baptists have long, and we used to hang it like we, we, we wanted people to know that we're people of the word. That was a whole big thing. I don't know, it was like 80s or something maybe. Southern Baptists, they're people of the word, which is awesome. But what that became years later is people began to make the joke that Southern Baptists believe in the Holy Trinity. Y'all heard this? Father, Son, and Holy Bible. What did we leave out? <laughs> Holy Spirit, right? But if you've been in many Southern Baptist churches, like ours, oftentimes it can feel like the Holy Spirit might be missing, right? We're doing the teaching, we're diving deep, and we're being nerds, which is good, okay? But we're not, we don't always show the faith that we need to. We don't always rest and ask God to do big things. We want to we want to we want to sit down with a pros and cons list and try to make sense of it when we need to say, God, you do this. We don't know. We don't know what we're doing. God, you do something. So we we become people of the book. We we learn and we learn and we're focused on understanding. We become stiff and rigid, legalistic people. Listen, church. Study the Bible, write down the commands of Christ, and keep every one of them. And guess what will never happen? The kingdom of God pour forth out of your life. It won't. You'll be an awesome dude or an awesome lady. But if the power of God is not manifest in your life, you'll just be a good dude. We cannot have teaching over power. But there's another side of that. There's power over teaching. We got some awesome brothers and sisters in the faith. A little bit more on the charismatic side. It's fun to go to church with them. Because they get fired up and they believe that God's going to do something big every week. They just do. And they, they do spend a lot of time calling out to God to do something big. And what they oftentimes neglect is... They're asking God to help them. They're asking God to do something. They forget that the Bible's right here. He already has. <laughs> and I'm not saying anything they wouldn't agree to and laugh at. All right? Stereotypes. That's not good either. What that creates is people that are looking for an experience. They probably have a great prayer life, but they're bad Bible study people. 
They want to see more than they want to understand. Listen, neither is good. And if our church gets labeled by either one, so help us, God. I want to lead a church by the power of God to fit smack in the middle. I want to, I want, I want to, I want to lead we as a staff and me as your pastor. I want to lead people to be Bible nerds for the glory of God, but also who have faith and are asking God to do crazy big things in our lives. And I believe only when we do both of those things will harvest Madison, Huntsville, Limestone, Madison County. Only then will they say, good night. What's going on at Lindsay Lynn East? Because the kingdom of God is spreading and expanding out of that little hub. That's my prayer. We need to study the teachings of God and trust his power to work in us and through us. The kingdom of God is experienced and lived out at the intersection of those two things. So here's my question to you. Which side do you lean? Because we don't want to lean. We want to find firm footing in between them. Okay? Now I've gotten to know some of you. And honestly, I know where most of you lean. Because I've gotten to know you. I've seen it. You either lean this way or you lean, you lean towards knowledge and understanding or you lean towards experience and, and, and feeling something. Look, 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 look. We don't want either one. Okay? So today what I'm challenging you and I've challenged myself with is I want to ask God for me. Transparency, which way y'all think I lean? Teaching. <laughs> Absolutely. I lean towards knowledge and understanding. I lean towards wanting to figure out and wanting to tell God what he needs to do in my life instead of just saying, I'm yours. Show up and do something crazy, right? I lean this way. So I've been praying this week, God, help me center. Help me center myself on who you are. Help me find my place. And so as your pastor, I haven't got this figured out and I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I know it's what we see in the Word. It's what we see in the book of Acts. What do you see in the book of Acts? People that are on fire for the, the, the apostles' doctrine, but they're also praying and they're watching God do crazy stuff in their midst. That's what we want. That's where we want to be. As we study the teachings of Jesus over the next several weeks, I think this is going to make more sense. This kingdom idea of coming in our midst is going to make so much more sense. Hang in there, I promise, okay? It's going to be good. I'm excited. Um, it's going to take us 12 weeks to get where we're going, but uh, it'll take all the way up through Thanksgiving. But I promise you, it's going to be fun, and we're going to have a good time. But here's what I want to leave you with. Here's my challenge to you. Ask yourself which way you lean, because I know, I know you lean one way or the other, probably. Ask God this week. God, help me stop leaning. Help me find my place between teaching and power, between knowledge and faith. That's the sweet spot. Here's the deal. There is good news all throughout the Bible from beginning to end that Jesus want, God wants to partner with mankind. But there's also a really awesome thing that happens where God got tired of us trying to figure it out. And he says, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to be the perfect propitiation, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect one to absorb all of my wrath, all of, my, all of your sin. And today, 
I stand before you not as a man who's trying to love God, but as a man who can love God because of what Christ has done in me. If you've never trusted in Jesus, the good news for you today is that he died for you. And we would love to talk with you about how you can trust in Jesus because before you can see the kingdom of God lived out around you, it's got to happen in you. And man, there's nothing greater than taking that step and trusting God and placing your faith in Him. Uh, Salvation is the perfect example of teaching and faith coming together, teaching and power. So we're going to have two counselors by the back door in this last song. They would love to talk with you uh, about how you can trust in Jesus, about any other decision you may want to make. You can also come talk to us about uh, church membership. If you're like, hey, y'all are pretty crazy but fun, Uh, I'd like to hang out and maybe be a member here. We would love to talk with you about what that looks like. Uh, you want to talk to us about being baptized if you're a Christian, but you've never been baptized. Whatever decision God's laid on your heart, uh, you may just want to sit still and just pray uh, during this song. But whatever, we want to give you an opportunity to do with the message what God wants you to do with it. And so I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll all stand after that prayer, and we'll sing and respond. Father God, we trust, God, that your word is what you wanted today. And God, I know in the first service, it spoke to people, God, and I'm praying that even in the second service, God, that you've continued to speak and you've continued to move. And God, that you would just draw us deeper. God, uh, help us to stop leaning one way or the other and crutching on, uh, God, just a, a lack of true fulfillment of the life that you have for us. But God, help us find ourselves centered between knowledge and faith between your teaching and your power. God, help each one of us to find that. God, today, God, as we sing this last song, as we respond in our hearts and our minds and maybe even with our feet to go talk to a counselor, God, I pray that you get the glory. It's in Jesus' name, amen.